Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Welcome all of you. If it's your first time here, we welcome you here today. Praise the Lord. So what time is Christmas? Anybody know that? What time is Christmas? And so I'm going to talk about that today. Uh, scientists tell us that the longest night of, uh, of the year is called the uh, winter solstice. I believe it's called December 21st, which was last night. It's the longest night of the year. And then it gets, uh, as, as time goes on, it gets... Uh, uh, every night gets longer as time goes. It gets darker and all of that. But I know that the longest night of the year for children is Christmas Eve. Am I right? I mean, they just can't wait for Christmas. And they keep asking you, is it Christmas yet? And they'll wake you up at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Is it Christmas yet? You know, and, and they, they, they just can't wait for Christmas. There's something about uh, kids that they just can't wait, and they're all excited. They can't wait to open up the gifts, right? Were you like me when you were a kid? You would you would uh, turn over the, the the gift and just crack it open to see if there was something in there, and then patch it back up. I used to do that when I was a kid. I don't know. I'll just confess right now. I never have said that to my parents, but I did. I used to put tape back in. But anyway, um, there was this one kid by the name of Brian, and for weeks he began to bug his parents about getting a watch. He wanted a a wristwatch for Christmas, and uh, he kept telling his dad, you know, uh, don't forget I, I need my watch. Don't forget this is what I want. And so his dad finally got frustrated with him and said, Brian, if you mention that watch again, you're not going to get it. You need to stop asking for that watch and quit bugging us about that watch and uh, or else you're not going to get it. So uh, one night right before they were going to eat, uh, they had Brian, little Brian, pray over the food. And he said, I'm going to pray over the food, but I have a scripture to quote. Luke chapter 21, verse 36, he said, Jesus said, watch and pray. Hallelujah. Watch and pray. That's how you use scripture, right? <laughs> he had to put it in there somewhere. But most of us this morning as we're here preparing for Christmas, uh, Christmas is a big deal. You know, you're probably looking for the best bargain. You're probably looking for the best parking at a, at a, at a mall. Believe it or not, I, I was at the... I went to the mall yesterday and the Target yesterday. I told my wife, we're insane. This is like the busiest time. Why are we here? And so uh, we, we had to get, and I, I'm usually a, an Amazon shopper. And so I did a lot of that, but she wanted to get this thing. And she knows when we go, uh, we have to pray. I need prayer. It's like I'm not a pastor when I'm shopping. I'm just be honest. So my wife goes, what are you talking about? I go, I'm just not a pastor when I'm shopping. I, there's all these people. I, I got to have the right parking. You know. I'm, she goes, you're getting already frustrated. Just park over here. We're going to take a walk. I don't want to walk. I believe I should have that parking right here. Anyway, all of, the, all of the work goes into that. But, you know, a lot of people in the beginning when Jesus came, the very first Christmas was missed by a lot of people. The religious people even missed the first Christmas. Uh, the politicians missed the first Christmas. So there was a lot of opportunity that was missed 
But the ones that didn't miss Christmas were the shepherds who were taking care of the sheep. And they came and they announced to the shepherds the, the birth of a Savior. And, of course, we know uh, that those shepherds went running to find that baby in a manger. And so what is Christmas or what time is Christmas? Christmas is exactly the time God wants it to be. See, Christmas came right on time. He knew the need. He knew what man needed at that time. In fact, the scripture says in Galatians chapter 4, I want to read you a few verses of scripture here. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the time was right, God sent his son, and a woman gave birth to him. His son obeyed the law so he could set us free from the law, and we could become God's children. So the Bible says when the time was right, God knew the time when to send his son. And the Bible says that Jesus fulfilled the law, and by his fulfillment of the law, he was able to set us free from the law and forgive us of our sins. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says everything that happens in the world happens at the time that God chooses. So Jesus came into the world at the right time. So you're in the right place. Turn to someone. You're in the right place at the right time right now. I believe that. I believe that. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us as we dive into this message. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your presence as we begin to worship you and honor you. Lord, we know that you're here in our midst today. And so, Father, you would open our hearts. You would open our minds to your word. Remove every distraction. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. We know that the word of God is relevant in 2019 and 2020. We know, God, your word applies to every area of our life. And so whatever state of mind people are in right now, let the word of God just unfold and come alive in their hearts today. I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare the word of God to your people and let the people hear the voice behind the voice. And the people said? And so there's four statements that the angel made or the angels made to these shepherds, and I believe it's something that we can look at as we get into this Christmas message. One of the first things is Christmas time is a time where we release our fears. We let go of our fears. One of the things that the angels told the shepherd, they said, fear not. And today there's a lot of people that are worried about a lot of things. And people are living in a crisis or they're living in a state of fear. They're fearful what's going to happen next. Maybe you have a little bit of fear about the government. Maybe you have a fear a little bit about the economy. Maybe you have a little bit of fear about all this stuff about the president. Maybe you fear your health. You don't know. You know, a lot of people are, are afraid something's going to happen or something's there, and, and they're worried about a lot of things. Maybe you're fearful over your bills. You know, you got all these bills you got to pay, or maybe you're fearful over your children, you're wondering what decisions are going to be made or, or something next year. You're just worried about all these things. This is where the angel spoke to the shepherds. And I'm going to read the verse of scripture here in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Or another version says, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news or good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. So the angels knew that these shepherds were afraid, and they were basically telling them, hey, don't be afraid. In other words, chill. 
Tell your neighbor to chill. Just chill, man. Just, just chill out a little bit here. Don't be afraid. There's, there's a lot of anxiety going on. And, he, and they knew that they were delivering a message of love and hope. Because Jesus is that message of love and hope. Jesus is love. And the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And so every time you read in Scripture where God or an angel is coming and talking to man, most of the time men are afraid because they don't know who God is. They're afraid because of the supernatural. Obviously, these shepherds were afraid these supernatural beings appear before them and they're announcing uh, the birth of Christ and obviously the impact of that supernatural scene. And basically, they were filled with fear. And the first thing the angel said is, fear not, basically chill out, don't be afraid. But today, people are not afraid because of supernatural angels. They're afraid of a lot of other reasons or for a lot of other reasons. A lot of people, they're afraid or the reason why we have fear is we, we have fear of being disappointed. How many know there's a lot of people that make a lot of promises, but they don't come through? And most of the time, we become disappointed. You know, you watch those ads on TV, you know, uh, uh, sleep while you lose weight. Now, I've just never, just sleep it off. You don't have to work. You don't have to go work out. You don't have to exercise. It just, your fat just melts away. I don't know about you, but my fat, my fat just keeps coming on when I sleep. And so uh, I've just never seen how that could work. But a lot of people say, yeah, just sleep the fat off. It doesn't work. Or how many have ever seen those advertisements where they say, you know, wipe, uh, uh, you know, spray and wipe. And on TV, man, when you, when you spray it, it just comes right off. But man, when you're when you when you when you do it at home, you spray and, and spray and spray, and then you're wiping and wiping, and that thing ain't coming off. What happened to the spray and wipe? You know, it's a disappointment. And so life could be that way, where we're getting all these promises, but nothing's coming through, and it's that fear of disappointment. But here's the great news today: humans may fail you in their promises, but God will never fail you. God keeps his promises. I mean, throughout the Bible, God keeps his promises. And there's a lot of people today that we're afraid that, you know, God's not going to watch over us, that, that you know, somehow we don't deserve the mercy of God, that somehow we're unworthy to be uh, forgiven by God. And so we're, we're so full of fear. People today are actually, they're, they're even afraid of Christmas. That's why they fight Christmas. Now you can't even say Merry Christmas to people. They say, happy holidays. I was at the store the other day, happy holidays. They go, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We can argue right now, but I'm saying Merry Christmas. I'm not doing the happy holidays thing. I'm doing the Merry Christmas. I'm not afraid of Christmas. People are afraid, you know, they won't let you put a nativity in, in a public place. They, you know, they're, they're trying to ban all these different Christmas songs. They're, they're afraid of Christmas. There are even people that are afraid to celebrate Christmas. There's even good Christians that are afraid of celebrating Christmas. Oh, we don't celebrate it. It's pagan. Oh, what's pagan about it? Well, you know, it was the same festivities during the Romans. They used the same, that same date falls on the same day that the Romans did festivities, and so it's pagan. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that happen on your birthday, too. People died, but a lot of bad things happen on your birthday. Do we not celebrate your birthday? I mean, look up the date of your birthday. You'll find there wasn't, everything wasn't good on your birthday. Could you imagine your parents say, oh, man, there's a lot of bad things happening on your birthday. 
No birthday for you. Sorry. It wouldn't work that way. And people are just afraid or, or they're afraid, you know, of Santa Claus. Let me tell you, God's not afraid of Santa Claus, okay? Uh, God's not intimidated by Santa Claus. People are all, you know, oh, Santa Claus is, is, is harmful for people. Uh, my kids were fine with Santa Claus. They didn't, didn't take the place of Jesus. They know that Santa Claus has to bow to Jesus. They're okay with that. People say, well, Santa, you know, you mix the words and it means Satan. No, Santa means saint. Did you know that? Santa means saint. It's about a good man that gave out gifts. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If, you're, if you want to be one of those Christians, go ahead. But I'm not afraid of Santa. I'm not afraid of Rudolph. God's not afraid of that. We're okay. In, in fact, if you read the Bible, uh, fear not is mentioned 365 times. One for every day of the year. So if you're afraid any day, just look up the scripture. Uh, fear not, okay? Don't be afraid. That's what the angels were telling the people is don't be afraid. And that's what Christmas is supposed to be is we're not supposed to be filled with fear and intimidation. We're not supposed to be afraid. This is what Christmas is all about because everything is going to be all right. How many believe that? Turn to your neighbor and say, everything is going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Even Al Franklin said, everything is going to be all right, right? Come on, guys. Put the timing on here, man. Let's hear it. Yeah, come on. Oh, yeah, everything's going to be all right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, everything's going to be all right. All right. I tell you, we got we to gotta pray for the sound man. You guys were supposed to put it on as soon as I said it, but it's okay. So John chapter 8, verse 12 Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. He said, no one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. I will provide plenty of light to live in. So here's the promise of God. He says, I'm the light of the world. You don't have to be afraid. I'm gonna, you don't, you're not going to stumble. There's no darkness in me. Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world. Number two, are you ready for this? Christmas time is the time where we renew our faith in God. If there's ever a time that we can minister to people and talk about the things of God and talk to people about faith is Christmas time. And it's an opportunity really to renew our faith, not only as believers, but even those that may not believe in Christ right now. It's a time for them to maybe come back. Maybe they've been away from God for a while. Here again, I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, verse 10 in the Good News Bible. It says, don't be afraid. He said, I have good news for you, a message that will fill everyone with joy. Say joy. Remember last week I talked about joy, and I said joy is not happiness. We misdiagnose happiness for joy. Happiness is based on what's happening. And usually everything that's happening isn't going to be perfect. We're trying to juggle all these things and trying to make everything happen together all at once. And usually something is not going to be good. We said, well, you know, my relationship with my husband, wife is good. My relationship with my, my children is good. Uh, but then your relationship with a coworker could be bad. And that, that could steal your happiness. Or your, or your neighbor, you know, that, that one neighbor. We won't talk about him. But that neighbor or that person somewhere else. And see, when it's based on what's happening, you're trying to juggle everything perfect. Everything has to be good. And then I'll be happy. Let me tell you, you're not going to be happy most of the time. But joy comes from within. It's a peace of knowing that God is in control. And you can't control those things that you don't have any control over. 
And so that's real joy. So he says, I come to bring you joy. And then he says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 31. Behold, he's talking to Mary. He said, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall, be call, he, he, he shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, it says, and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, for he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So this is the Christmas of good news. This is why people come to church. This is why people are attracted to church. This is what people ask me, why are people attracted to church? Why are there people in Praise Chapel? I'm here to tell you because we're here to share the good news to people. I say good news. It doesn't matter what age they are, how young, how old, they want to hear the good news. And we're here to communicate that good news. And I'll say it the way my pastor used to say it, it gets gooder and gooder. Hallelujah. There's something about the good news that it just gets gooder and gooder. And people come because they're attracted to that because there's a lot of junk out there today. And, you know, people are saying, well, how is the church going to adjust to the society and to the culture. You know how we're going to adjust? We're going to be an example. We're going to pray for them. We believe today that we can be the influencers, right? And we're going to influence them by our example. We don't need to condemn them and put them down. We need to tell them there's a message of hope. There's good news in Jesus Christ. There's good news for people today. So here's the good news. Number one, turn to someone and say, you matter. You do. Every single one of you in this place, you matter to God. You are important to God. And no matter what's going on in your life, no matter, and all of us this morning, let's be honest, there's the good, there's the bad, and then you're ugly. No, no, and the ugly. Not you're ugly, but you and the ugly, right? All of us have the good, the bad, and the ugly. Am I right? All of us. And yet you still matter to God. God still loves you. God still cares about you. The Bible says that he's so detailed about your life that he knows every single hair on your head. And some of us have fewer than others, I'll be honest. And every time I look in the mirror every day, there's one less hair. And say, God, that's 9,000, whatever. I don't know, I'm losing them daily, so here we go. But God is so detailed about us he, because you matter and you're important to God. The second thing is you're not an accident. I said you're not an accident. You know, you say, well, my parents said I was an accident. Uh, your parents may not have planned you, but God planned you. You're not, a, you know what you are? You're a bonus. You're the bonus baby. That's right. You're not an accident. You're the bonus. You're a bonus to God. The Bible says that God has fearfully and wonderfully made us. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made in our, in our mother's womb. So you're so important to God that God had you in his mind before you were even, even before you were even born, when you were still a twinkle in your daddy's eye. Hallelujah. So God, number three, God wants you to know him. See, God knows you, but God wants you to know him. That's the good news. God wants that personal relationship today. See, a lot of people, they know about God, but they don't really know him personally. They don't have a personal relationship with God. And think about what God went through. He he, he sent a baby. He, sent, he, he came in human form. And many people say, why did God come in human form? Well, if God wanted to relate to birds, he would have he became a bird. 
if God wanted to relate or communicate to cows, he would have came as a cow. If God wanted to communicate with dogs, he would have came as a dog. But God wanted to relate to you and I, and he became a human being. See, he became one of us. And I don't have the foggiest idea when people say, well, I talk to my higher power. I don't know what that higher power is. I know who Jesus is. I know he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I know him. I have this personal relationship with him. And people want to know him. They want to know who he is. It's like the little boy, he was asking his dad, he was saying, Dad, I'm afraid. He was in his room, I'm scared. And the dad, you know, like dad's answering, says, well, just hug your teddy bear a little bit more. And the, and the son said, no, I need skin on it. Come in here. I need to feel you. See, some of us this morning, the only way we can relate to God is we need to know who he is. And this is why Jesus came. And this is why Jesus is so important, is that he brought the good news. God sent his best in Jesus. Can you say amen? Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, I've come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. So it doesn't matter what your religious background is. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't matter today how religious you are. The great thing is Christmas is not about religion. Christmas is about a relationship with Jesus. Christ wants you to have a relationship with him. That's why this is good news, and that's why our faith can be renewed. Now, here's the one that I really like. Christmas is the time where we can be forgiven. Say forgiven. See, all of us here need forgiveness because the Bible says we're all guilty of the same thing. The book of Romans says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not even one person. So you may be sitting out there saying, I'm, I'm pretty good. Can I tell you, you're not that good. All of us are unrighteous. I read this quote. I'll read it to you. It says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been entertainment or, or pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. Hallelujah. See, all of us this morning, we, we need a Savior. God knows what we need. Turn to your neighbor and say, God knows what we need. He does. That's why he came. That's why Jesus came. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was perfect. None of us here is perfect enough to make it to heaven on our own merit. And our own, like I said, our own goodness. The Bible says our good deeds are like filthy rags to God. They're not good enough. There's nobody here perfect enough to make it into heaven. That's why Jesus had to come. And he paid the price for us. I was reading this about lifeguards. I don't know if anybody's ever been a lifeguard here before, but they're saying that a lifeguard, one of the things that a lifeguard learns is if there's somebody out there that's drowning in the water and, uh, you know, he's trying to, you know, he's struggling to stay up and whatever, they, they go to that person. But one of the things that they're very careful is they don't try to save that person unless that person stops trying to save themselves. 
because while they're frowning around, fighting and all that, trying to stay up on top of the water, if you try to save them, they could take you down with them. So what a lifeguard does is they're trained to, to, to swim around and kind of tread water and let that person kind of wear themselves out. And finally, when they're ready to give up, then he's willing to put their arm under them and bring them up to shore. And one of the guys here, was, I think it was Rob, was saying that they're even trained that if that guy doesn't stop doing that, that they just knock him out. I don't know if that happens or I don't know. Is that true? That's what he said. They knock him out so that they can save him. Some guy, sometimes God has to knock you out in order to save you. But here's, here's the key. Here's the key to the whole thing. Is, is God can save you if you're trying to save yourself. God can forgive you. If you, don't need, if you don't admit you need forgiveness. See, a lot of us this morning, God wants to save you, but you won't admit that you need him. And the reality is we don't have it all together. We need God. Stop trying to save yourself and let, and let God save you. Don't let him knock you out. Can you say amen? Let him save your soul. I, I don't know about you, man, but I need some saving. I need God to save me. So here's what the Bible says. The basic scripture, all of us know it. It's John 3, 16. You see it in the NFL game. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Then it said, for God did not send his son, the very next verse, verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So he's not here to condemn you. He's not here to destroy you. He wants to save you. That's the whole reason why Jesus came. But see, he can't save you unless you're admitting you need saving. He can't forgive you unless you're willing to admit you need forgiveness. See, our biggest problem in our society today is guilt. People are living with a lot of guilt. And they're trying to get rid of guilt on their own. You hear it on talk radio you, you, you see it on TV. People are trying to get rid of guilt. How do I do it? And many times they say, well, you just have to live with it. Too bad. You just have to live with guilt. Baloney. You don't have to live with guilt. And so there's a lot of people that, you know, they don't know how to get rid of it. And here's the great thing about forgiveness, that Jesus died to forgive you, but not only to remove your guilt or, or forgive you of your sin, but to remove the guilt of sin. That's the power of the forgiveness of God. He not only forgives you of your sin, but he removes the guilt of sin. Because there's a lot of people living with guilt, things that they've done, all of us have. And here's the great thing, that Jesus died on the cross to take the guilt from you. In fact, last night I was reading this article. I read a couple of articles about guilt. And I just said, well, let me just read some about guilt. And so I came across this article. I don't remember what part of the country it was, but it was about this young man who, uh, when he was 17 years old, he was a drug addict, a meth addict, him, him and a friend. He had a 15-year-old friend, and he was 17. He said, I was a senior, and, and the guy was a sophomore. But we, we were into drugs. We were messed up. He goes, and I'm not using that as an excuse, but he ended up murdering the 15-year-old kid over drugs and money. And he murdered him, and he put him in the backwoods, wherever they lived. He put him, he threw him there in the backwoods. And they never recovered the body till like 19 months later. Or, yeah, 19 months, 18 months, something like that. 
He said, by that time, he goes, I was already in jail for burglary and all these things. He goes, and they questioned me about the murder, but, you know, I, I had an alibi, so I was never connected to the murder, I, you know. But he said, while in jail, he uh, basically had, uh, um, he, you know, he had a change of heart. Different things happened, and re he rehabilitated, and he came out of prison and actually started a business, and he was doing really well. But one of the things that he could not shake was the guilt. And for 25 years, he said, every day I thought about the friend that I murdered when I was 17 years old. And so finally he went into the police station 25 years later to confess of the murder. His friend's family said, you can't do this. This is just this is dumb. 25 years ago, no, I, I, I need to, I need to confess his guilt because I can't sleep. He finally went into the police station. He confessed the murder. The police thought he was joking because, believe it or not, he went in on April 1st. And so they thought it was April Fool's. So all the policemen were laughing, and he began to tell them, no, I murdered this guy. And they went to look in the file. They couldn't even find the file. It was so old. Finally, they went. Then he began to give them details about the gruesome murder and they realized that only the murderer can know those details. He said he went to sleep in the cell that day, and that's the first time he ever was able to have a peaceful sleep because he confessed the guilt. Isn't that powerful? He became a Christian, he said. And, but he said, I have no excuse for what I did and the murder. He goes, but I just could not live with the guilt of what I have done. See, people today... They're living with guilt, but I know someone that can forgive you. I know someone that can remove that guilt. And the last thing today is Christmas is the time to rebuild relationships. If there's ever a time in life for reconciliation and healing is right now. You can rebuild those relationships that have been lost. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill toward men. God wants us to have peace and goodwill toward everybody. He wants us this morning to get along with those that are around us. So many of times, even during Christmas time, if you really take an honest evaluation, there's probably some relationship that need to get healed. How many of us have an uncle that maybe, maybe we have some crazy people in our family. Anybody have some crazy people in your family? Like that crazy uncle? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you're the uncle, yeah. You're, you're the guy. Go, I don't have anybody. Guess what? You're it, buddy. You're the guy. No, I'm just kidding. So here, I'm really, I'm just kidding, okay? But here, here's the thing. You know, there, there's always, I, I, I don't know if I've ever, haven't talked to anyone that doesn't have some kind of family conflict, some kind of jealousy, some kind of resentment, some kind of problem with somebody else. And can I just tell you, th those are time wasters, man. They steal your energy. They steal your time. They steal your health. Right now is the time to heal those relationships. Right now is the time to reconcile that. I'm going to read you a scripture out of 1 John 1, 7. But if we are living in the light as God is the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So when he cleanses us, when he purifies our lives this morning, we ought to reconcile with that person. 
whether it's a distant relative, whether it's a brother, whether it's somebody that you know. And not only peace with each other, but we need to make peace with God. Now is the time to rebuild a relationship or get a relationship with God. Christmas is the time for you to meet Christ. And it's something you're celebrating Christmas, but you're not, you don't even know the person you're celebrating. That you don't even have a relationship with the very person that you're celebrating. The Bible says these wise men went through great length. If you read the scripture, they saw a star and they went through great length trying to find where this star was. And they finally came to, 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 to where Jesus was in the manger. And the Bible said these wise men, they brought gifts. And we know a gift of frankincense and myrrh and gold. And they bowed and they worshiped. And I, I want you to think about that. These were some of the wisest men during that time that came. Friend, wise men still seek him. Hallelujah. He's looking for us to wise up a little bit and realize that our relationship with God is the most important relationship that you'll ever have in life. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.